0: Come on, you can do better than that. Shout amen in the house. Come on, high five two people around you and say, don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. Wow, I truly feel that we have covered some ground just over the last couple of weeks when we have been talking about encountering God. What a great journey that we are on. If you haven't got one of the wristbands, please pick one up on your way out and wear that so you can be remembering through the fast, through this year, we're encountering God together. We're standing shoulder to shoulder, believing for God to do great things. So the journey has taken us through religion to relationship. We're not doing things out of obligation anymore. We're doing them out of love. Why? Because we're falling in love with Jesus. Temptation is a test of our relationship, not our self-control. So how do we fight temptation? By falling more in love with Jesus. Last week we talked about a tool of His Word. Wow, what a tool the Word of God is. I pray this week that you have been reading your Bible like never before. Because why? You're allowing your Bible now to read you you're allowing God's Word to come alive. Who's had a revelation of something in God's Word this week? I know you have because people have been texting it to me. People have been saying, look at this, Pastor. God just showed me something through this. And I'm excited because we've got to have a love for His Word. And today I want to talk about another incredible tool. And that tool is relationships. Say with me relationships. The title of our message is, You Don't Do Life Alone. Don't do life alone. But when we think about relationships, we have this understanding pretty quick that Satan attacks and targets relationships perhaps more than anything else. More than anything else, he comes to disrupt and to destroy destroy and to divide people that will be at odds with each other, that will be not friends anymore, that will get offended, that will so easily get put out. And the reason why is twofold. Number one, because we were created for relationship. Look what God says in Genesis 2.18. And God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. God would walk with Adam. God would hang out with him. Adam was in a place of perfection, but yet there was still something lacking in his life. And God says he needs a friend. He needs someone to do life with. Satan knows that. Satan knows that God doesn't want us to be alone. And secondly, Satan knows that the wounds caused by others can be some of the hardest, most debilitating dilib- dis- injuries that we will ever face. Come on, if you've been betrayed by another person, you know it's the worst thing that you can experience. It can come from a parent... It can come from a teacher. It can come from a best friend. It can come through someone gossiping, a gossiping tongue, and you are destroyed by those things. Because the reality, sadly, is this. Most people are wounded. And this may be the single greatest area that prevents us from reaching our full potential in God. Because nothing has the potential to drain your breath And have you feel alone and exhausted more than other people. Satan knows that. But there's another greater potential. I said there's another greater potential. And God has said we don't need to be alone. And that is being in relationship with other people. Today I want to read a story of terror. A lot of you have probably never heard of terror before in the scripture you've probably heard of his son his son is Abraham as we know him now at this particular time it was Abram and we're going to read his story just briefly today to lay the foundation of don't do life alone Genesis 11 if you can turn my mic down I'm really loud please Genesis 11 27 and 28 and it says this is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram Nahar and Haran Haran begot Lot, and Haran died before his father. Terah was in his native land in Ur of the Chaladines. He was a wealthy man, he had influence with people of that day. But then God instructs him. It doesn't directly tell us that, but the implications are that he gets a word from God in his state, in the place where he's at. He's wealthy. He was actually the one, they tell us, that made the household idols and images for the people of that area. So he was very sought after. Everyone wanted a God for their house. They wanted an image. He was a prominent man in that place. But something happened. He had an experience or an encounter that said, leave all of that and head out somewhere that you don't know, but I'm going to lead you. And we see in verse 31 and 32, and Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Harrah, who had died, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, and sons his son, Abraham's wife, and they went out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And then they came to Haran and dwelt there. Verse 32. So the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. Haran. On the way, but he never made it. On the way, but never made it. Why? Because he stopped in Haran. It doesn't tell us actually that it was. But again, the implication is this. The city was named after his son. A city was named after his son. If it wasn't a city named after his son, it was a city that reminded him of the pain when he got there of his son. A son who had died early. Look at this statement. Terror had to pass through Haran in order to go where God was calling him. But due to the pain and the hurt, it was too hard. It was too demanding for him. He couldn't let go of it like many of us today. We've got pain. We've got disappointments. We've been betrayed. We've been let down. We're in Haran. We're licking our wounds, we're feeling sorry for ourselves, where God has called us to go somewhere else. We don't have no business to be there, but unfortunately, just like terror, we stay there and we die in that place. Come on, can can someone say, that's in my past? Can can someone say today, that's maybe how I came in, but that's not how I'm going to leave today? Come on, that's maybe what I came in carrying. Maybe I came in carrying unforgiveness today, but I'm going to get that thing off my chest today because I've got to go through some stuff to get me where God wants to take me. You see, just like terror, many of us are shaped by our negative experiences and we never overcome them to discover the destiny to which God is calling us to. Look at this statement. Pain is a part of every relationship. But we get to choose. You get to choose today. The choice is yours, whether it's going to be the deadening pain of separation or the growing pains of reconciliation. You choose that today. How's it going to be for your life? I actually wanted to call this message Excess Baggage because that's how we go through life. If you've ever flown... You've got to be careful now. They weigh your bags. And if your bag's over, they'll they'll stick a sticker on there saying like excess baggage, overweight, something. And you have to pay a fine. And you don't want to do that. You want to eliminate those kind of things. Why? Because excess baggage is going to cost you something. You know what else baggage does? It slows you down. If you've ever flown, it's good if you can to have just a carry on. Because then when you get to the next airport, you don't have to worry about your bag showing up. I know, I went to New York the last time I went and I lost my bag for two days. That was a hassle, especially when I was going to do services. Had such a hassle, I had to go out and buy all new clothes. Shame, huh? What a hassle. But it holds you up. It messes you up. But you know what? It also messed other people up because they were waiting for me. And I had to say to him, well, listen, I'm trying to, uh, and, I, and I had to miss my plane because I was redoing. It was just a whole mess. And I got in six, eight hours later than I thought I was, messed my schedule up, messed their schedule up, everything. Why? Because of baggage. Wow. Baggage. Baggage. Come on, Come on, just like Tara. His decision affected his life. Whole family. How do you know that? Because the very next chapter in Genesis 12, God then has to call Abram. And God says to Abram, Now you get out and go. Come on, his dad was supposed to be taking him, but his dad stopped at his pain. So God said, If he ain't going to go, then your promise I still have for you, you need to go. And what happens? God had to separate the family. God's not about separation. But he calls Abram to move on. And leave, and he gives Abraham a promise. He says, when you go, I'm going to be with you. Come on, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless those that bless you. Come on, there's a blessing that's waiting for us if we'll step out of that place of pain. If we'll step out of that place of betrayal. If we'll step out of that place of disappointment. How often do we make decisions that aren't good for us? And then we create a defensive system to ensure that we're never going to be hurt again. What do we do? We build up walls. Why do we build up walls? Because I'm going to stop the hurt. I'm going to stop the pain. I'm never going to feel rejected again. I build up walls. But you know there's something about the walls that we build up to stop the bad things. Those walls also stop the good things. Because those walls also barricade love and healing and reconciliation and acceptance that we need to have and we need to get from other people the healing that we have. Look at this statement I came up with this week a castle for protection can also become a prison for isolation. Well, I'm protected in my castle, I'm feeling good about it, but from the other side, it sure looks like a prison to me. And it's a prison of isolation. And why is that? We can't see it many times because the pain causes blindness. Come on. It obstructs objectivity and common sense. Come on, we do things that is beyond our common sense because of the pain and the disappointments. So after Abram moves on, terror is never heard from again. Abram moves on. Terror is never heard of again. Why? His story ends there. The most tragic result of unresolved pain is that it will destroy your relationship with God too. Because if you aren't willing to go where God's at, come on, you're hanging out in a place that God doesn't want you to be. Come on, turn to someone around and look them square in the eyes and say, your story is not ending today. Come on, your story is not end. This is not the end of your story today. Come on, we're not going to die there. Come on, can you believe that? I'm not going to die there. That's not the end. God has called me to go. One of my favourite soccer teams in England is Liverpool. Pete came back in with that one. Pete's a Tottenham fan. It's a rival club. But one of my teams is Liverpool. And the slogan that they have, and the anthem that they sing before the games, they will sing, and you should hear it. It's phenomenal. Sixty thousand people singing in unison the song "You'll Never Walk Alone." And what an anthem to have! I said, "What an anthem to have!" That you're not in this alone. Come on, you will never walk alone. Why? Because God intended for His people to be a source of life, a community of support and fellowship to take care of one another. And none of us alone could ever come close to what we can accomplish together. Say with me, together. Together. Why? Because we're made for relationships. You need me, and I need you. Come on, you need me. You may think, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. And I need you. Come on, say that with me. You need me, and I need you. you. (laughs) So important that we have people in our lives who really know us, who will accept us and love us, Because that can make all the difference in the world. Hebrews 10, 25, we've got a scripture for that. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As in the manner of some, some are living in harem. They're in their pain and they're in their prison. They think it's a castle. They think they're living large and proud. But they're miserable. They're on their own. Don't forsake the assembling together as a lot of people are doing And it goes on to say, but exhorting one another. Come on, that's what happens. You lift each other up. Come on, I'm exhorting you today. I'm telling you right now, there's a new hope. There's a new day. There's a new healing that God can bring you. That's what happens when you get together. And notice what the Bible says. And so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? The rapture, the end of this world. We're in the last days. I said we're in the last days, so the Bible says we better not forsake the assembling because we need to be exhorted and we need to be lifted up. And that's more than just being in church. That means more than just being on a team or in a group. Because I'm telling you one thing, you can also be surrounded by people and still feel totally isolated. It's not about just being around people, it's about giving yourself to other people too. Giving your heart. And being engaged and involved. And from Genesis through Revelation, the Bible shows us the importance of being in a group of people. Today we launch our small groups. The season semester starts February the 5th. 18 groups that you can be a part of throughout this city and areas. Quite a lot happening here at the church throughout the week. In fact, we've got something happening every day right now apart from Saturday on a regular basis. Something for you to be engaged in. At least two things every day that you can be a part of. For this reason. Why do we do this? Why did we change our whole philosophy, if you want to say that, or dynamics of church life? For this reason. Because we believe life change happens in the context of relationships. We need you to be connected to other people. You don't need to do life alone, so don't. So what's our goal? Our goal... It's not for you to know everybody, because that's impossible. But you know what our goal is? Our goal is for you to be known by somebody. Come on, that someone will know you. That you can come in here and someone knows more than just, hey, how you doing? That someone can say, hey, how was that test you took this week? I've been praying for you. How's your kid doing? I hear they were in hospital. What's going on in your life? Come on, we cannot find lasting satisfaction in ourselves and on our own. We need someone to share life with. I've got a verse for you for that too, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8. It says, this is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or without a brother. Yet he works so hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am i giving up so pleasure now it is all so meaningless and depressing why he's worked hard he's got all stuff but when he's trying to enjoy it on his own it's meaningless he's depressed And we think, oh, if I could just get that stuff. Listen, it's not about stuff. It's about the relationships that you have. It's about who you get to share life with, who you get to pick up that phone. Come on, when someone gives you good news, you want to pick up that phone and call someone. You want to be engaged. You want to tell them. Why? Because it's good. If there's something bad, you want to tell someone. You need someone to share life with. If not, you can be the wealthiest, but yet the most miserable and lonely person. So why do so many of us try to go it alone? I'm sure there are many reasons, but let me give you four main reasons why we so many times try to live alone. Number one, we're naive. It's naivety. What do I mean by by being naive? Naivety. Some people believe that they have to face life alone. Some people think, well, who would ever want to be with me? We believe that. We wrongly believe that. But we say, I'm so screwed up, messed up, and whoever I get around, I'm going to do the same thing to. So we isolate ourselves, never taking any time to build any meaningful relationships. And then we convince ourselves, I don't need anyone anyway. You know what the result of naivety is? You develop a tough exterior Exterior that pushes people away from you. And the whole time, there's that void inside of you that you need, but yet you block it because you don't want people to get too close because they may hurt you and wound you. I don't deserve that. I don't need that. Come on, the basic fundamental of every need that we have is we need other people. Here's the second reason, personality personalities. Come on, we're all different. Look around. We're all different. Different things excite us. Different things we do. There are differences around. So we convince ourselves, because of my differences, I guess I'm just not cut out to be with certain people. We can find ourselves maybe not outgoing. Maybe we're shy. And we can say, well, that's just the way that I am. Well, how does that play out? What results in our life? We convince ourselves that others won't understand us. Or accept us, so what do we do? Very little interaction. Here's the truth. Are you ready? Others are often a whole lot more accepting of us than we are of ourselves. It's the truth. Others are more accepting. But yet we close ourselves down because, oh, I can't expose those areas. So we put ourselves in a state of condemnation. We lose perspective on truth and reality. Here's the third one, perhaps the biggest one, fear. Fear. Well, I'm going to get hurt again. What if I'm rejected again? What if I'm not accepted again? Can I help you with some stuff today? Look at this quote. It never gets easier to risk sharing who we are and what we feel unless we practice doing it. If you sit back and say, well, hey, it's just going to get easier. No, it doesn't get easier until you put it into action. It's through the practice of doing those things. Practice makes perfect. It's through those things and giving. So fear will shut us down and we will never give of ourselves. So if we never give of ourselves, we'll never share. We'll never be engaged. We'll never be involved. And we're going to stay in Haran. And our story is going to end there because we're going to die there. Remember when you bought those pair of shoes? They were so uncomfortable when you first got them. Anyone remember those shoes? Man, so uncomfortable. Gave you blisters, man. I'm tired of shoes giving blisters, man. That is miserable, especially right there on the heel. So you put a band-aid on there. We call them in England a plaster. You put that thing on there. A plaster. There you go. Plaster, we call it in England. You put it on there and before you even leave the house, what happens? It's, it, it's off and, and it's all rolled up and the, take your shoe off and your heel's bloody and it's sore and you're miserable. Come on, some of you ladies, I see those shoes. You wear them like 12 inches tall. Come on. It doesn't matter how comfortable they are just as long as I look good. But man, that doesn't feel good. The look good doesn't always feel good. Do I hear what I'm saying? But what have you got to do? Listen, listen, listen. You got to Stay with them. You've you, you got to stay with them. You've got to battle through a few blisters. For what reason? Man, those shoes can become your most comfortable shoes you have ever had. You've just got to break them in. You've just got to wear them in. Come on, that's the same with fear. Fear. We can allow it to hinder us. We can be limping. We can be in pain. We can become miserable. Or we can say, I'm going to stick with this. And I I know that I'm going to see results at the end of this, not for where I'm at right now. Come on, quit playing the what if game. Come on, we're good at playing the what if game. Well, what if I get hurt again? Well, what if I get let down? What if they'll gossip about me? What if they don't accept me? What if they post something negative? About me on social media. You're missing the whole point. Because if you want to play the what if game, then you need to start from here. What if you find exactly what you need? Come on now. What if you find exactly what you need? You'll never know unless you try. And if you don't try, you're going to be in the same place that you were. Maybe you're afraid of small groups. Some people have a misconception of small groups. They think we kind of sit in a circle, all hold hands and sing, Kumbaya, Lord, Kumbaya. (laughs) Just think that it's like this kind of, you know, that they're going to put me on the spot. I'm going to have to say something. It's going to be really embarrassing. No, 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 no. That's not what it's like at all. It's not even close to that. You're not going to be forced to say anything. You can come and sit in the group and not say one word. I'm telling you, you won't. Because when you start getting around people, you're going to start to open up and you're going to start building relationships. But you're not forced to do anything. We want you to come and have fun and relax together. That's why a lot of our groups are fun things. Come on right now, jitterbug, that, 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 that's fun to do. Come on, I went once to the class and, and I enjoyed it. Man, I had, a, I had a good time in the class. I'm going to go for one of the classes this year. It was fun. Come on, for some of you ladies, weight watchers is fun. Men too, weight watchers. We're going to have that this year. That's pretty cool. We're going to have activities for people. We're going to have Bible studies. We're going to have prayer. But we're going to do a lot of things that we can just hang out together. Not putting anyone on the spot, but letting people come to a place of safety and protection where their guard can drop. Don't allow the pains of your past. The hurt, the pain, the betrayal, the bad experience. Some people said, well, I've been in groups before, had a bad experience. Hey, have you ever had a bad meal? Never stopped you eating again, did it? (laughs) Never stopped you eating. Don't allow one of the greatest areas that can limit your life to hinder you. Don't let someone else control your life. Do you realize that you're allowing someone else to have the control over your life if you're not moving on beyond that hurt and pain? Come on, don't allow your past to destroy the joys of the future. Your story is not ending here. I said, your story is not ending here. Can can I read you a funny story right now? Can, Can I read you a funny story? Listen to this. There was a men's group who had three men who were best friends, and they had met for a Bible study for quite a while. But each of the men held a deep, dark secret. As they got to know each other closely, One guy finally said, guys, I've just got to tell you something. I'm really wrestling with lust and looking at online pornography. It's just so easy to click and find any time. I really need your prayers and I need your help to defeat this habit. The second guy says, wow, I really appreciate your honesty today. Thanks for being so real with us. Since you're so real with me, I might as well tell you guys the truth as well. I have a problem and my problem is gambling. I'm an addi- I have a gambling addiction and I've put my family in serious debt. I take huge risks on the stock market. I play online poker and I go to the casino every chance I get. I need your help to beat the odds. Would you pray for me to overcome this thing? The third guy looked at his two friends and said, Well, guys, I'll confess as well. I really struggle with gossip and I can't wait to get out of here. That's not what we're doing. That's not what our groups are about. It's about having that freedom and liberty to be able to share your stories with other people. And we have a verse for that, James 5:16. It says, confess your sins to each other, not because they're your saviour. No one else is your saviour. God's the only one. But as we admit the fact that we have a struggle, we can find accountability in other people. And notice when we come together, the key ingredient is not just to talk about our problems, but to take them to God because it says, confess your faults and pray. Come on, small groups, is all about prayer. Whatever we're doing, jitterbugging, weight watchers, Bible studies, whatever. We're going to have a time of prayer. Do you have something we can pray with you for? What do you need? Why? Because prayer is that catalyst. Prayer is what includes God into that situation and changes everything. Because when we come and confess to each other, build relationships and says, what you two, I'm struggling there. The Bible says that we will find healing. Come on, it says you'll be healed. Why? Because the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Can I let you into a secret today? <laughs> Everyone has issues. And if you're sitting here today thinking you don't, you have issues. Because every one of us has issues, not just you. You. And when we begin to open up, I, I read this and I thought, how great is this? The quote of friendship, C.S. Lewis wrote, said, A friend, friendship begins when someone says to you, What you two, I thought I was the only one. Right, Isn't that cool? Friendship begins when you suddenly realize other people have the same issues and struggles. But we can help each other together. That together we can find freedom. The fourth reason why many times we don't get engaged is because of our busyness. I've just got too much going on right now. Which will probably never change if you don't change your priorities. And what happens? What's the result of busyness? You tend to work on the wrong types of relationships. Most of the people who are the busiest have these types of relationships. Are you ready? Social media. That type. For what reason? Because they can control that and turn it on and off whenever they want. They can control what they discuss, what they open. They have complete control. So they can do it on their time, on their... Come on. We discuss and reply what we want to. But what does it do? It gives us a false sense of community because it creates a false sense of relationships. I have 500 friends. Really? 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 No, you don't. What we need is authentic relationships. What do I mean by authentic relationships? You need someone that you can reach out and touch. You need someone that you're doing life with, not someone in China or Africa who's your friend or anything. And thank God for that. You you need someone that's a real friend. forget the 500 friends and find two or three real friends. And you're going to get a lot more out of your life than that. Listen to this statement Charles Swindle said. He said, nobody is a whole team. We need each other. You need someone and someone needs you. Isolated islands we are not. To make this thing called life work, we've got to learn to lean and support, relate and respond, give and take, confess and forgive, reach out and embrace. Since none of us is wholly independent, self-sufficient, super-capable, all-powerful hotshot, let's quit acting like we are. Life is lonely enough without playing that silly role. The game is over. Link up. And it's so true. It's so true. None of us in ourselves are self-supporting. And that's the goal of small groups. It's not just to add another thing to your calendar that's already maxed out. But our vision is for you to become part of a group of other individuals who are willing to grow in their faith together. To support one another. To encourage one another. And to celebrate with you. Our goal is that we walk in freedom that God has for us. And I have a verse for that too. Romans 12:5. I told you last week there's something in the Bible. There's a verse at least for everything that you face in life. And it says this, Romans 12:5. So it is with Christ's body, his church. We are many parts, but one body. We all belong to each other. One translation says we all need each other. Come on, the hand can't say to the arm, I don't need you. The foot can't say to the leg, I don't need you and vice versa. We need each other because if we're not connected together, we cannot function in the role that God has given to us. You need each other. No one should ever walk alone. Everyone needs to be known by someone. And let me quickly show you why. They tell us that there are actually four levels of interaction that we have with other people. How others see us and how we see ourselves. This is the four levels. Are you ready? How others see us and how we see ourselves. The first level is this. I know you, or I know and you know. I know and you know. That's the face that we all see. I know you, you're Philip. We just give them enough. I know you, you know me. But we don't allow other people really into our lives. It's the first level. Why? Because it can be scary. It can be challenging. It can be intimidating. We know we should. We know many times we need other people, but we're just happy to say, hey, I know you casually. You know me. See you later. Bye. No depth, no real meaning. And many times the reason we don't go into the next level Or the reason we go into the next level is because we are not open. Because we create the next level when we don't allow people in. And that becomes our defense state. And that is this. I know, but you don't know. Come on. I know, but you don't know. What does that mean? I know the secrets I'm carrying. I know the problems that I'm dealing with. I know the wounds. I know the hurts. I know the scars. I carry my deepest fears and insecurities. But what I know, you're not going to know. Why? Because I'm going to put a mask up and I'm going to smile like everything's okay. Because I'm not going to let you in. I'm going to keep you at a distance because I've let people in before and they've hurt me. So I'm putting up a mask and I'm hiding like everything's good. And I'm coming to church and saying, praise God and glory, hallelujah. But yet I'm empty and broken inside. I know, but you don't know. And as long as you don't know, I'm going to be Okay, no, you're going to still be broken. You're going to still be broken. We need accountability. Like we said in James five sixteen. I need someone that I can confess to. I need someone to come clean with. Why? Because of this reason. If we don't deal with the sin in our life, many of us use that and it becomes an addiction and a stronghold in our lives. Why? Because of the secrets of our life become sins to mask, to... Deal with those things. There's a saying out there that says this, you're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. What secrets do you have? What are you holding out on because there's no way that someone can accept me? I'm telling you right now, people will accept you and they'll love you and they'll walk with you and they'll pray with you and we can find freedom together. But you've got to let down the mask. You've got to allow others in to help you, to protect you. And you know why you need to let others in to protect you, Josh? Mainly, you've got to protect yourself from yourself. You need someone else to help you protect yourself from yourself. Because you're self-destructing on your own and you need someone else. Here's the third level. Are you ready? I don't see, but you see. That's <laughs> good. Even though we think we know ourselves well, we have blind spots. Have you ever been driving? It says, watch out, there's a blind spot in a mirror. Have you ever seen that? You're going to turn over. Thank God now they've got these flashing things on your wing mirrors and stuff that can make an alarm and go off if you're going into the other lane. Man, how many times have you nearly been hit by someone or nearly hit someone because you just didn't see it? They were right there. You would swear they weren't. But they sure were there. Look at this statement. You will never fully know yourself by yourself. (laughs) You're never going to fully know yourself by yourself because we have this expectation, we have this picture of who we are because I don't see it, but guess what? (laughs) Everyone else is seeing it. Everyone else is seeing what's going on in my life. And what I've discovered is this, the enemy loves to exploit those blind spots because when we fail to see them, we're going to fall for them every time. If we don't see it there, we're going to fall for it every time. And here's the truth. We need people to be honest with us. Come on, we need someone to tell us when we've got a booger in our nose. Come on now. Come on, we, we need someone. Say, Pastor, can you just take care of that? On, we need someone that has that right that we give to them that you can come to me and say, come on, there's something. Why? Because I don't see it, but you do you are sent to help me because remember you need me and I need you. So here's the question I've got for you today. Who's speaking into your life with total and complete honesty? If you don't have anyone in this realm, then you're in a dangerous place. Let me say that again. If you don't have someone who is speaking into your life with complete honesty, then you are in a dangerous space. Why? Because you've got blind spots that are going to cause harm not only to you, but to other people around you. What does it mean when someone is honest with you? They'll tell you things that are hard to hear. They'll tell you those things that you don't want to hear. Listen, our lead team here in this church, I haven't set our lead team up to just be a bunch of yes men and yes women. Because I say to him at any time, I want to stand challenged because if there are things that I don't see, that's why I want your eyes, your ears, your mind. I need you too because I know you can pray, you can touch God. I'm not in this on my own. Here's what I think, but would you help me? Can you expose the blind spots? I want people around me that don't have to fear saying, Pastor, I need to talk to you because there's something that's not happening. Kelly's very good at doing that. Why? Because I've given her the right to do that. Philip, this needs to happen and that. I don't shout her down and get angry, upset. I get angry and upset at myself because I never saw that. I didn't realize that I was doing those things. And guess what? I've got a verse for that too. Proverbs 27, 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful come on, I'd rather have a faithful wound than a kiss of deceit. I said, I would rather have a faithful wound that's going to heal. I said, that's going to heal and it's going to bring healing to me than a deceptive kiss that says, hey, you're great and awesome, but yet you're screwed up and messed up. The last one is this, I don't know and you don't know. This is the part that only God knows about you. Come on, I said this is the part that God only knows. The purpose that he has created you for. The unrealized potential that you have. And I'm telling you, you will never reach that alone. I don't know what the potential fully is for your life. You don't know what it is for me. But I'm telling you, together, when we walk shoulder by shoulder and say, come on, let's go the direction that God has. Let's leave our hurt and pain. I ain't dying in harem. I'm going to lock up and I'm going to get connected with other people. Come on, we will need, listen, we need others to help us to discover and to utilize all the gifts that God has given us come on, I'm called to preach, but it's kind of boring if you don't have anyone to preach to. So what happens? You give me the opportunity to do what God has called me to, to bring out that purpose in me. And guess what? Through me doing that, I hopefully help you discover your purpose and what God has called you to as we challenge you in the word. Why? Because we need other people. Come on, that's why we've got Growth Track. If you haven't been through Growth Track, today is the third week. I'm telling you, this week will revolutionize your life. Why? Because we take you through a personality profile and a spiritual gifting. And it's where you can fight, see yourself. And a lot of people have seen some blind spots. Let me just share a test with me real quick. Someone went through GrowTrack and they came to Miss D at the end and said, Wow, I've been divorced for however many years. I can't remember. And the whole time since I've been divorced, I blamed myself that it was my fault. But today when I've understood my personality and where I am, I've understood it wasn't my fault whatsoever. The freedom and the liberty that came from just realizing the fact it wasn't my fault. Look at this. This is really cool. The Zambian proverb says this, when you run alone, you can run fast. But when you run together, you can run far. Come on, I, I don't want to just be a fly by night and shoot off here, shoot off there. Come on, I, we're in this for a marathon. This is this is not a sprint, this is life. This is a day. I need people who are going to be around me that's going to spur me on. Lonnie's sitting there. We did a marathon together, half marathon. He said, Phil, I'm going to stand with you stride by stride. I did that race without stopping. Why? Because he said, you ain't going to stop. We're going to go through this. You set the pace and I'll keep with you, but we ain't stopping. I'm telling you, the encouragement of having someone with you can make you run further and do things that you never thought you could. I've got to close, but who's on your team? Who's encouraged you along to go the distance, to become the person God intended you to be? We need, you need people to help you grow into who you really are. Listen to my heart today. Don't do life alone. Get in a group. I believed in it so much, I bought a t-shirt. Get in a group. Go on the website, encounterchurch.today. There's a whole list. Miss D and Miss Nancy at the back to help you. We've got packages that you can take. Get in a group. Find a group. Sign up. One other statement and then I'm going to pray for you today. God created you to draw support from others and to be a source of life to other people. See, it's a two-way street It's not just the case that I need you, but you need me. We need each other. And God created me to be that source for you, and God created you to be that source for me. Would you bow your heads all over this place? As your head is bowed today, let's take a moment to assess the relationships of your life. Come on, what do they look like? Who really knows you today? Who gets you? What risks do you need to maybe take today to expose those secret sins so you can find that freedom? I know it appears to be a massive step. I I know it appears to be something that you say, man, I'm not prepared to do that. Get in a group. Get in a group. Get in a group. What about with God today? How's your relationship with Him? Because that needs to be the priority. Right now. Why does my relationship with God need to be my priority? Because order matters. Order matters. You've got to love God first. Then you can love others, the Bible says. And then you can love yourself. We used to sing a song in... Sunday school that used to say, J-O-Y, J-O-Y. Surely that must be Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. J-O-Y. Jesus, others, yourself. Come on, order matters. Order matters. And unfortunately, due to hurt and pain, finding ourselves at Haran, we're putting ourselves to the front. And we're saying, but what about me? What about my pain? What, I, I've got to t-. Listen, you can't deal with it. You can't heal your pain. You didn't create your pain, so you can't heal your pain. There's only one that can heal your pain, and that's Jesus. Jesus. And there's only Jesus can heal your pain, but then he gives you other people to help you walk in that freedom and find the success that your life needs to be. What's your relationships like? Who knows you? Precious Jesus, God, we pray. God, that you would touch us right now, God, where we're at. We're not going to die in this city. We're not going to stay in Haran. We've got to go through that pain to get where you want us to. But God, we're we're going through it. We're coming through it. We're stepping out. We're we're signing up. We're engaging our lives. We're, We're breaking free today. Why? Because someone else needs me. And I need someone else. I'm grabbing the reality of that God today that I don't want to do life alone. But God, I need to do life with others others that love me, others that will accept me, others that will encourage me, others that will celebrate with me, others that will correct me and help me, others that will help me tear down those walls, that together we can walk shoulder to shoulder believing for God to move in our lives.